Good morning. Let's all stand and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing. I sing the mighty power of God and this is my father's world. I sing the mighty power of God that made the mountains rise, that spread the flowing seas abroad and built the lofty skies. I sing the wisdom that ordained the sun to rule the day. The moon shines full at his command and all the stars obey. There's not a plant or flower below, but makes thy glories known. And clouds arise and tempests blow by order from thy throne. While all that borrows life from thee is ever in thy care. And everywhere that man can be, thou God art present my father's world and to my listening ears all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres this is my father's world I rest me in the thoughts of rocks and of skies and seas is and the wonders wrought this is my father's world the birds their carols raise the morning light declarely white declare their maker's praise this is my father's Good morning, everybody. Um, Pastor and Sandra Joe are away on a well-good, well-earned vacation. So, um, a couple different faces up here today. Um, we're going to go ahead and start with opening prayer, and then we'll go, turn it back over to John. Father in heaven, um, there is just a beauty in the day like this that um, is so hard to describe. It's for those who who struggled during the winter. This has been a, a, a great reprieve, and it's just a reminder of how glorious your world is. 
And then it's also a reminder of all the things that are to come, all the promises that you have made. We just ask that um, you be with us today to help us to appreciate the things that you have given us, appreciate the message, and um, let, let this be a, a good time of fellowship and an education for everybody. Um, this I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Just a doorway into resurrection. 
to invite you to again to stand and I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing his mercy is more and with this song we start off with the chorus praise the Lord his mercy is more and then build my life praise the Lord his mercy is Sins they are many, his mercy is more. Could remember no wrongs we have done. Omniscient, all knowing, he counts not their son. Thrown into a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins they are many, his mercy is more. Praise the his mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. What patience would wait as we constantly roam. What Father so tender is calling us home. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness through every morn. 
sins they are many, His mercy is more. What riches of kindness He lavished on us, His blood was the payment, His life was the cost. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more. Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is more.
upon your love. It is a firm foundation, and I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not be shaken and holy. There is no one like you, there is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me and I will build my life upon your love. It is a and I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken Amen. Please be seated. At this time, Billy Joe is going to come and she and I together are going to sing a song uh, called Not My Will, But Thine Be Done. Yes, to 
Jesus rose, so I shall rise in ransom glory at the throne. My heart restored, with all your saints I sing, Father, not my will, but yours be Billy Joe. Uh, we are privileged and grateful to have Pastor Malachuk here with us this morning to fill in while Pastor and Mrs. Taylor are away. Pastor, Ta uh, Pastor Malachuk has been the pastor of Mount Greylock Baptist Church now for since 1990, so you can do the math. <laughs> but uh, let's um, uh, let's have Pastor Malachuk come on forward and and uh, thank you very much for being here this morning and filling in for Pastor Taylor while he's away. Thank you, John. I gave an illustration in uh, my, the adult Bible study this morning of uh, when some of us were in Haiti, and I shared a room uh, in Haiti with John, and I think Terry was in our room, and John made me breakfast every single morning. So when it came for him being ordained, no problem. <laughs> Stamp of approval. But uh, no, Pastor Taylor called and asked if I would come and fill in for him. In fact, I preached at Victory Baptist Church before I was the pastor of uh, Mount Greylock Baptist Church. Back then it was called First Bible Baptist Church. I preached in the old building, not that building, but the building before that building. And um, I think, if I remember correctly, it was the first church I ever preached in uh, outside of my home church. And Pastor Taylor, I didn't even know him. He just called me. And said, could you come and... Actually, he called my preacher and said, you have somebody that could preach for me? And then we, him and I did talk on the phone. And I came and I preached. That was like 35 years ago. And, and I've preached here since then. But this is the first time since then that he's actually letting me preach. And he's not here. So, <laughs> so I guess it took 35 years for him to, to trust me. I'm not sure. No. But uh, your pastor and I are dear friends. And... Um, 
we've, we've gone and done a lot of things together. We talk often on the phone and uh, we enjoy one another's company. It's always good in the ministry to have a colleague that you can just, in fact, it, it's somewhat rare that you can have a colleague that you can just talk to them about anything and know that they will keep whatever that conversation that you're having, but just between the two of us. And uh, so I, I count your pastor a very dear friend, and, um, and I count it an honor that he would ask me to come and preach here at uh, Victory Baptist Church. And um, I'm just uh, thankful for the years of history that my church and this church has had together. I, I said to someone, I enjoyed the ride up on Route 7. I always enjoyed the ride up. And then I thought, no, there has been times I have not enjoyed the ride. It was usually the morning after the all-nighter. <laughs> but aside from that, it's a pretty ride up. Anyhow, take your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, and uh, we're going to read verses 39 through 47. I don't know, is it against protocol to take my jacket off? All right, John chapter 5, verses 39 to 47. The Bible says, Search the scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you, that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. How can you believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had you believed Moses, you would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if you believe not his writings... How shall you believe my words? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you again for uh, this day that you've given us. Thank you for the sunshine outside. Thank you for the opportunity uh, to gather here this morning, to open up your word, uh, to just study the unsearchable riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I ask and pray, Lord, that you'd use me this morning as your instrument and as your vessel. Lord, despite my own faults and my own failures and shortcomings, but I'm thankful for Jesus, and I'm thankful for the precious blood of Calvary. I ask and pray, Lord, that this morning, whether someone is here or someone is watching the live stream, if they've never received Christ as their Savior, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd move upon their heart and bring conviction to their hearts and help them to see their need of Christ. And this would be the day they'd be born again, born into the family of God. We ask all this now in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, it was just about two weeks ago, maybe a little over two weeks ago, uh, would have been January the 15th, would have marked the anniversary of what was then called the miracle on the Hudson. And some of you may remember that, but 90 seconds after takeoff from LaGuardia Airport, the now famous U.S. Airways Flight 1549 lost all of its engine power. 
they hit a flock of geese at 3,200 feet above New York City. If you've ever taken that, I've flown out of LaGuardia Airport on numerous occasions, and it's actually when you take off and you fly up, no matter where you're going, they usually fly north before they turn to either uh, west or south. But it's a beautiful flight because you can see on a nice day the whole skyline of, of Manhattan, and uh, then the plane banks to whichever direction it's going to go. But at 3,200 feet, they hit this flock of geese. And three and a half minutes later, the crippled Airbus A320 touched down on the Hudson River. And what could have been a major loss of life became a textbook lesson in crisis management. Listening to the cockpit communication, it became quickly apparent that the miracle on the Hudson was made possible by the skill and the poise and the careful coordination of Captain Chesley Sullenberger and First Officer Jeff Skiles. Yet the transcript also revealed the importance of a tool that for decades has helped pilots manage both the routine and the unexpected during flight. The tool is the checklist. And indeed, moments after the bird strike, Sullenberg is heard saying, after takeoff checklist complete. Upon losing power at 3,200 feet, the first directive he gives to Skiles is get out the QRH. The QRH stands for the Quick Reference Handbook. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm up at 3,200 feet and I uh, get a flock of geese hits the engine, uh, I don't know if I would have had the poise, that's why I'm not a pilot, and just say to the co-pilot, hey, let's get out the handbook and see what we do in this instance. But that's exactly what they did. It's a manual consisting largely of checklists to be utilized in troubleshooting various problems, such as loss of cabin pressure or engine failure. And after the order is given, Skiles and Sullenberger can be heard working through a series of steps designed to save the flight from catastrophe. And as they attempted to address an emotionally fraught and seemingly impossible situation, the two pilots had a simple resource they could turn to for help, the QRH, to manage the routine and the unexpected during flight. Well, you and I have a QRH as well. It's called the B-I-B-L-E, amen? <laughs> because we never know what's gonna, what life is going to bring. We never know what, what, what tomorrow will bring. We never know what crisis could come our way, what situation could come our way, what difficulties and trials to challenge our faith or to bring us to faith in Jesus Christ. But we have the word of God and we should never, never, never uh, doubt the importance of the word of God in our lives. So in this text here that we've just read, I'm going to spend most of my time in, in, in chapters 39 through 47. But just to give you just a little bit of a reference here of, of what's going on, um, the, the, the deity of Jesus Christ is being challenged. In fact, if you just turn back in, your chap in the chapter here to verse 18, the Bible said, Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. 
That word equal there, if you study it out, it means qualitatively and quantitatively equal. He's declaring that he is God. And so he then says to them, a little bit further on in the chapter, in verse 31, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. In other words, he's really saying this. Anybody can say anything they want about themselves. Doesn't necessarily make it true. Doesn't necessarily make it false. Now, I know in your mind and in my mind, when we think, well, if Jesus said it, it has to be true. But you have to understand what's taking place here. These are people who don't believe Jesus is who Jesus is. And so then he gives several examples. And he says this. He, first, he says, listen, there's another that bears witness of me. And, that was, and that's John the Baptist. And it would be John who, who would say, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So Jesus says, you had John. He was a witness of who I am. And then he would refer to his miracles. I have greater witness, verse 36, than that of John. The works which the Father hath given me to finish, the miracles that he had performed. He said, these are witnesses of who I am. And then the Father himself, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But if you don't believe any of that, he says, then the text in which we've already read, search the scriptures. Search the scriptures, he says to them. Search them and see what the scriptures say. So I have a very simple three-point message to my sermon this morning. And I want you to see in verse 39 specifically, and we'll use some of these other verses to back this up as well. Three, three points to this. And notice this, that there's a plan. God has always had a plan. That's why he said, search the scriptures. Just as, just as that flight was in crisis mode, there was, a, there was a plan. And those two pilots had been trained for hours and hours and hours how to deal with the crisis. And the first thing that they turned to in the crisis was the QRH. Let's look and see what we are to do here. And so you and I, we need to be mindful of that, that God has given us his word. And we're to search the scriptures. We're to search the scriptures daily. It's always been the pattern of the New Testament church. In fact, listen to what it says in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. Now, these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. That is the characteristics of the early church, the first century church. And that needs to be how we're characterized as well, the 21st century church, that we search the scriptures daily. So my challenge to you this morning is, in fact, I was able to preach this sermon at, at home. My, my son, Ethan, is really our lead pastor now. I'm, I'm kind of taking a step back. And, and every now and then I get to preach that I preached on the first Sunday of the year. And I challenged our church that this, if, if you've gotten away from it, if you've become lax in your Bible reading, if, if you've lost a little bit of, of faith in the word of God, search the scriptures and search them daily as we get into year 2024. Go to the word of God and, and see how, that God's word is true and God's word will meet your every single need. That's always been the plan of God. That's, if you're here this morning and you've accepted Christ as your savior, that's really how you got saved. 
I'm sure most of you know this verse. In fact, help me finish it if you know it. But Romans chapter 10 and verse 17 says, Then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The word of God. The word of God. And, and, and don't ever take for granted this fact that your pastor and this church is a Bible-believing church. That you, he preaches the word of God. He searches the scriptures daily. We need to search the scriptures daily, just as they did in the church uh, uh, in Berea, that was more noble even than the, church, than the church in Thessalonica. But even before that, after Jesus rose from the dead, if you remember in the Gospel of Luke chapter 24, he's on the road to Emmaus. There are, there are, there are two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus appears to them, and they don't really know who Jesus is. And um, Jesus then began, begins to speak with them. And listen to what it says. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he, that would be Jesus, expounded unto them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And you know what it says there in that same chapter after he was done with them and he, he left? They said this, our hearts burned within us as he opened the scriptures to us. Do your hearts burn within you when you're in the word of God? You know, sometimes we can kind of get away in our scripture reading. It just becomes kind of a formality, a routine. Sometimes I think we just need to go to the Lord and say, Lord, help my heart burn within me as I read your word and Speak to me as I read your word and help me to see these truths and make application to my life. That's the plan of God. And when we do that on a regular basis, when a crisis moment comes in our lives, we know what the word of God says or we turn to the word of God. There's another great illustration of the importance of the word of God found in the gospel of, of Luke chapter 16. It is the account of the rich man and Lazarus, and both of them die. And the rich man lifts up his eyes in hell. And if you remember the account, he says, I have five brothers. Someone go and tell them. Someone go and tell them. And listen to what the scriptures say. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, they had the word of God. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they perspire. Be persuaded, the one rose from the dead. Everything rises and everything falls on the word of God. That's the plan. In our text, verses 46 and 47, Jesus challenges them. He says, for had you believed Moses, in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, if you had believed Moses, you would have believed me. For Moses wrote of me. It's ironic that the enemies of Christ were trying to use Moses to disprove who Jesus was. And Jesus is saying, no, you've got it all wrong. The scriptures teach you who I am. But if you believe not his writings, meaning Moses, how shall you believe my word? You see... They had the word among them, but they didn't have the word abiding in them. 
And that's what makes the difference. That's the plan of God, for God's word to be in us and for you and I uh, on a regular basis to be searching, what does the word of God say? But then secondly, there's not only the plan, but there's the promise. And in verse 39, it says, for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. The word testifies of me. Listen, the QRH on that flight, it saved lives. If I remember correctly, I believe there was 155 people on that plane. And I'm sure many of you have seen the picture of the plane uh, in the Hudson River and the people standing on the wings of that plane. And uh, what a sight that must have been when the plane landed. And then, then the people who lived there that had boats, all kinds of boats just started to head out to rescue the people. But because those two captains, the captain and the co-captain, turned to that book and read what they were supposed to do, 155 people were saved that day. We have a book that saves for eternity, not just the temporal. The Word of God. And when we turn to the Word of God, we have eternal life. Life and death, it all hangs in the balance. In Matthew chapter 19, a man came to Jesus one day and he said, Behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing should I do that I may have eternal life? And isn't that the question most people have? What do I have to do to have eternal life? In fact, you may be here this morning and you may be wondering that. What do I have to do so I can get to heaven? What is it that I need to do? Do I need to be a faithful member of Victory Baptist Church to get to heaven? Do I need to be baptized to get to heaven? Do I need to take communion to get to heaven? What do I need to do? This, the man that I quote, he had great possessions. But what were these in comparison of all his possessions that he had? There was something missing in his life. He had no peace in his life. The Bible says in the Gospel of Mark, what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? What must I do? And while baptism, communion, coming to church is all great, it's all important. There's nothing that you can do save accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. And even that is a work of the Holy Spirit in your life, convicting you and convincing you of your need of Christ. And how do we know that? Because the Word of God tells us that. And just as that flight, 155 people were saved, you here that are saved this morning, one day, whether your pastor or someone else, they opened up the B-I-B-L-E and they shared the word of God unto you and the, and the Holy Spirit of God in conjunction with the word of God brought conviction to your heart and you realized you were lost, you realized you were on your way to hell and you cried out and called upon Jesus to be your savior. Amen? Amen. So God's got a plan. He laid out the plan. And he's got a promise. That promise is eternal life. The Bible says, For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, but it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. We preach. 
We preach the word of God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verses, um, I think it's verses 10 down through 16. The Bible says, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? I mentioned being in the old Victory Baptist Church. I remember you kind of preached down below. And everybody was kind of up high. And I remember that morning the sun was coming through the window. And I thought it was just, the, quite honestly, I was just a young preacher. I thought this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> I, I could care less about the building, but there was people there and I got to preach to them. I would have preached out in the field. I don't, I didn't care. But it was the word of God. I was going to share the word of God with people. I don't know how many, Harmon, you were probably there. That you, and, and, you, and I don't know how many others of you were there. I'm sure there's others that were there. But because, because whether it was Pastor Tim or the pastors before Pastor Tim, God sent a man here to preach the word of God. And that was his plan and, 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 and the promise. The promise was eternal life. And you accepted the plan and you accepted the promise. When Sullenberger opened that book with Skiles, they, there was a promise that they were trained that if you follow these instructions, uh, you could uh, avert catastrophe. And if you're here this morning and you've never received Christ, or maybe you have, but there's something going on in your life, some catastrophe, some crisis, there's a promise. There's, a, there's, books, there's a book called the Book of Promises that you get all the scripture promises in. It's right here in the Word of God. God promises, search the scriptures daily, search them, preach the word, uh, Paul wrote to Timothy, be instant, in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and the Bible says, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. Look at verse 40 of our text. Jesus says to them, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. Wow. It wasn't that they couldn't, they just didn't want to. That was the issue. So there's a plan, and God's got a plan for you. He not only has a plan to save you, but he has a plan for your whole life. My wife and I, we got saved. I was 24 years old when I got saved. Had been to church my whole life. My wife had been at one church service her entire life. Catholic service. Didn't hear the gospel there. She heard the gospel once and got saved. We were both into alcohol and drugs and, and all kinds of things that I'm ashamed to say we were into. And God then, that six, we, got, we got married because I could, tell my, I could tell Pastor Ainsworth I was born again. I told him when I was a young person, I accepted Christ as my savior. I did up here, but I didn't over here. So she was hungry to learn. I just wanted to get married. That's the only reason we went to church that Sunday, to meet this preacher. And we're a little tiny schoolroom, 15 people. If you're in, my, in the Sunday school class this morning, that man I told you I'd take out to breakfast who has Alzheimer's, he's a founding member. He was there with his wife that day. And Shelly got saved, and, and she, she wanted to learn about this Jesus. She wanted to know what this, this book had to say. Quite frankly, I was just interested in getting married. That would be the end of it. We'd go back to, to just living our party life. But God had other plans. 
And six months later in a church service, I went forward to rededicate my life. I mean, I knew a lot of the Bible. I, it, it was among me, but it was not in me. And I got to an altar and I got down to the altar and I said, Lord, I, I really went forward to rededicate my life to Christ. And I got to the altar and I said, Lord, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. And if I'm not a Christian right here and now, I want to get saved. And from that moment on, the word of God was in me. And our lives changed. And here we are. The joke at my church is, I only went to our church to get married. I had no idea God's plan was I was going to pastor that church all these years. It was a one and done for me. God's got a plan for you too. You teenagers that are here, or you young people that are in the room, God's got a plan for you. You young adults. You that aren't young adults. God still has a plan for you. I'm part of that group now. <laughs> God's still got a plan. My son's been so gracious to me as keeping me part of the plan as he's taken over the lead. That I don't want you to retire. He says, God's still got a plan. And it's true. But then lastly, this morning, there's the person. So look again at verse 39. Search the scriptures. There's the, there's the plan. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. So the plan, the promise, eternal life, and then the person. They are they, Jesus said, which testify of me. Jesus. So all about, I, I dropped my daughter off over the Christmas holiday uh, over in Albany, and I was driving back from the airport, and I was coming up over what's uh, Route 2, which is Petersburg Pass, and um, there was somebody, there was just a, a sign, I think it was a, uh, just a typical sign, I think it said steep uh, grade, and somebody took a bumper sticker, and on the bottom of it, they, they put, the bumper sticker said, try Jesus. And I thought about that as I drove by, and I guess that's better than nothing, but you know, you don't really try Jesus, you trust Jesus. You've got to go all in. Because once you go all in, that makes the difference. Search the scriptures. Search the scriptures. Search the scriptures. That's the promise of eternal life and abundant life. It's the promise, the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, they testify of me. I can tell you that Sullenberger and Skiles, they did not say, well, let's just try the QRH. They trusted the QRH. That's how they landed that plane. You can trust the word of God. Trust in Jesus. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, and no man shall pluck them out of my hand. Jesus said, or the, the scriptures say in 1 Corinthians 15, listen to what Paul said. For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's laid out, the plan, the promise, and the person, Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. So again, if you're here this morning and you've never received Christ as your Savior, it is the greatest decision that you can make in your life. It'll change your life. God will do something with you. We look, my wife and I look back now on all of these years and how God, all of these years has taken care of us and God has guided us and God has just with so many things that I'm not even sure, quite frankly, if my wife and I would still be married if we didn't get saved. I have serious doubts. 
because she certainly didn't, you know, marry Mr. Perfect when she got married. You know, the old joke is I didn't know, I, I married Mr. Wright when I married him. I just didn't know his first name was always. <laughs> but Jesus, 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 there's something about that name. And he'll save you if you're not saved. And if you are saved and you've gotten away from the scriptures, get into the word of God. Get back into it regularly, daily. And let the word of God just burn in your heart. Don't be like verse 40 where it says, you will not come to me that you might have life. The problem, the problem wasn't with the scriptures or the promise or the person. The problem was with the people. They needed to accept the word of God as the word of God. Let's close with a, a chorus. He is exalted. The king is exalted on high. And then we'll be dismissed this morning. He is exalted. The king is exalted on high. I will praise him. that you've given to us. Thank you for the message that we've heard this morning. Lord, I pray that we would go from this place and that we would be doers of the word, that we would spend time with you this week. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're dismissed.